This is the Danny Britt Show, a weekly look at Benedictine Cadets football on WSEG Savannah Hilton Head. Now, here's your host, Christian Gokel. Welcome in for the second consecutive year to the Danny Britt Show, where we recap a state championship win for your Benedictine Cadets, 14-13 to 13 over Cedartown in a game that's going to be remembered around the state of Georgia for a long, long time on a weekend there at Center Park Stadium in Atlanta uh, that featured a ton of outstanding games. The last couple minutes of this one stood out above the rest. And to join us here, as he does every week, the head football coach of your state champion Cadets, Danny Britt. And coach, I got to ask you first, man, that was just such an emotionally exhausting game. When you when the head finally hit the pillow, how hard did you sleep? Yeah, I'll be sleeping really, really hard and well for the next month. It takes that long to, to truly recover. But, um, but yeah, I mean, what, what it, the emotions were just un, unbelievable. I, I think I was probably to this point still on a high. Now, it's amazing how big of a difference one yard can make because if you flip that around, probably be really hard to sleep right now. And it, it all came down to a goal line stand at the end. But I want to go back to the beginning of this one, Coach. We're at Center Park Stadium, uh, and it just it almost looks like we were transported back in time to Center Park Stadium last year. The, the weather was about the same. This time, a little bit more rain than we had last year, but just a cold, kind of dreary day there in Atlanta, Georgia, and going up against a Cedartown team that you knew wanted to pound the football, you kind of had a feeling before this one started that this one probably wasn't going over 30 points. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, we, we talked about it and knew that if it were raining like that, it definitely hampers what we were trying to do and uh, probably helps Cedartown in that regard. And, you know, you there's nothing you can do about that. You just take it. You you say, hey, let's go play ball, and, and we got the type of guys that, that were fine with that. Let's go play ball. Whatever it takes, just give us a chance to compete. And I want to give uh, Cedartown a lot of credit because, yeah, it was raining and the ball was wet, but still you guys were able to go out there and at least execute theoretically the offense. Luke could still throw the football. He's got big hands, and, and it, it doesn't overly affect him. I think maybe the wind uh, more than anything. But the thing that stood out to me, Coach, initially about Cedartown and throughout the game was just how fast they played as a defense. They We were talking before the show, they don't have that one five-star outside linebacker who's a game wrecker. They're just 11 guys who have played football with each other for a long, long time, and you could tell that they knew where they were supposed to be, and they got there in a hurry. Yeah, without a doubt. They definitely uh, – and you could tell on film. They, they were a very well-coached team, uh, disciplined team that had played together for a long time, a bunch of really good high school football players, and they played really fast, as you mentioned. And uh, So, you know, all the credit to them. They, they had done a great job all year. That's why they were 14-0 and, and, and did a great job again last Friday. So as the game starts, you guys kick the football off. Uh, to them, and they're able to drive uh, past the 50-yard line there, Coach, but then drive stalls out, and uh, their quarterback hits a great pooch punt uh, that pins you guys down inside the 10, and then a three and out immediately from the offense puts the defense in a really precarious situation, and that's pretty much how the rest of the first half played out, which was just a field position battle. I mean, I think maybe the story of the game that doesn't get spoken about enough is how your defense held serve when they were in negative field position for pretty much the entire first half. 
Uh, yeah, definitely the entire first half until the, until the very end. There we were. They, they they flipped the field on us from the beginning and, and kept it that way. And the defense just kept playing back to the wall, back to the wall. And and you know, and that just credit to them, credit to Coach Houston uh, for what he's done, what he's built there, and and the, and the guys just continuously kept fighting. And I mean, the goal offensively, and I'm sure. I know you guys have a conversation about pretty much every play just on the headsets there, but did the goal eventually in the first half just become to pick up a first down? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, we were just trying, you know, hey, get a first down, let's try to move the chains and let's, let's you know, try to get ourselves we to flip the field back and, and, you know, put ourselves in a situation. We we knew we had the advantage in special teams. We had the kicking game, and, you know, we certainly thought we could hit some some field goals. Now, just for maybe the fans out there listening, when I say the goal being a first down, when you're playing a defense like that, obviously you always want to score a touchdown, but when it comes down to a battle of field position, if you're going three and out against a team like that, eventually your defense is going to wear out. you got to give those time, those guys some time to breathe there on the sideline, especially uh, your defensive linemen. Yeah, de- definitely that's part of it. And, and, and we threw them out there a couple of times not being able to have that. And uh, but they continue to stay strong. But yeah, we were literally trying to move the ball. Uh, and we another thing is we go so fast, which is you know has helped us with our success offensively. But it sure can put the defense in a bad situation when you go uh, three and out and have to punt. So uh, you know again credit to to the defense for continuously being strong there. But um, but uh, yeah, we that was you're right. You're 100 percent right. Which if we can get a first down, we can buy some time here. Again, just a kind of a. It felt like in the first half, them trying to go and put some points on the board so they can kind of choke out some time, and that's just their style. And then you guys desperately trying to hold on and keep them out of the end zone. And as you did that, the offense it wasn't a lot, right? It wasn't three or four consecutive first downs, but you could see signs of life. Nasir Samuel uh, would pick up a first down. Luke uh, was able to connect on a few passes, but it was was like we've seen so many different times throughout the season, Coach. It was Luke buying time in the pocket and then sliding out and then showing off of his speed. We hadn't had a chance to see it until late there in the second quarter, but when he got into the open field, I think they said it uh, on the GPB broadcast as well, which is like that's that right there is why he's such a coveted athlete. When he got into the open field, he made everybody else look really slow and had a huge play for you guys. Yeah, definitely, and that was huge, absolutely huge. Uh, and that's Luke, first of all. That's his personality. He wants to compete. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, some guys would be worried about stats and that sort of thing. That is just not who that cat is. Uh, he wants to compete, wants his team to win, and he's as happy right now as anybody else uh, with the win. Uh, so, but yeah, Luke is can really run. A very athletic kid, uh, uh, you know, with also with an unbelievable arm. So, you know, Luke can do that, and when he puts it down, he's he's aggressive and can go. Kind of reminds me, and this might be a throwback for some of the younger people out there listening. I think he's got a better arm, but he kind of reminds me of Matt Jones from Arkansas back in the day in the backfield. He's a big, tall dude, and when he gets going, he can move. But uh, that big play sets you guys up, and then a few plays later, Coach, a big situation, and you run a jet sweep to Houston Jackson there. And I don't know if a lot of people knew in the stands, but when you do a jet sweep to the backup quarterback, some alarm bells uh, should be going off. But the defense gets sucked up, and you guys toss it over the top to Zaquan Bryan there for a touchdown. What was the conversation uh, you guys were having there in the headsets before that play call? 
Yeah, actually, uh, Coach DePhillips had said, you know, right right before, right as the previous play ended, he said, hey, do you think it's time? And he's talking to the offensive staff. I think it's time to pull out the, you know, the, the uh, rocket pass, uh, which they've worked on all year, and obviously Houston's a cat that can run it. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I don't know that anybody else responded, but I said, hey, do it. Go for it, AJ. You feel good? Do it. Um, and and he of course called it, and there it was. And and in the you know Cedar Town's defensive guys' defense, I mean Houston's playing that position every play. It's not like we bring him on right. for a play or two. He's playing every play. So why wouldn't you think it's just a regular you know jet sweep? Uh, so uh, and we did a great job of executing it. Houston made it look you know first two or three steps looked like he was. You know, running, and then he pulled up and threw it on the run, actually. Great pass to Quan, who was wide open at that point. Yeah, a great job by the offensive line and all the blockers up there, not getting downfield and, and holding up just long enough for him to get that pass off. So uh, you guys get that 7 nothing lead going into the half, Coach, and that, it was a game of, it wasn't a ton of back-and-forth momentum swings, but when there were momentum swings, they were huge momentum swings in this one, and that one felt like it right before halftime, able to get that touchdown, it felt like everybody could kind of breathe and say, listen, they punched us in the face for about 20 minutes there in the first half, but we got the lead and we're going to get the ball back to start. Yeah, and I, I felt really good at that point, which it sounds crazy, 7 to nothing, and but I felt like, okay, things are about to break open here and, um, you know, felt pretty good about scoring some points, uh, you know, in the second half coming back out. Well, speaking of that second half, we're going to talk about it next. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap what was just an epic second half there in the 4A state championship game in Atlanta. We'll do it next right here on the Danny Britt Show. More Benedictine Cadets football, the Danny Britt Show. Recapping the Quad A state championship win there for BC. Going in at halftime up 7 to nothing. Coach, what was the conversation uh, you were having with your guys in the locker room because I know uh, just a, a, such a crazy experiment, uh, experience, all the pressure of just being in that stadium, in the state championship, a bunch of guys who know they only have 24 minutes left of high school football regardless of which way it goes and such an intense situation up seven to nothing. What were the conversations like in that locker room? Yeah, I mean, again, I think we were feeling good, felt good, that, you know, punching in that one there at the end there. Uh, felt good about going into the second half and what we were going to be able to do offensively, defensively, special teams, and and so there wasn't you know any major things being said. Uh, a few adjustments offensively, defensively, um, and, and then with me is basically just said I, I believe we're going to win this game. I, I have believed it the entire time that we were going to win it, and you know let's just go play. Hey, this is it. There's nothing to. Don't hold anything back. There's nothing to leave in the tank. Let's just go throw it out there and let's go Let's go win this football game. Well, you guys come out in the second half and receive the football, and watching that drive, if you kind of took that one out from the rest of the drives in the game, you'd be like, okay, this is a pretty normal BC offense, right? You hit uh, Rashawn on a little drag route that he's able to stick his foot in the ground and get on the sideline and pick up a big chunk play. Uh, then Luke uses his legs again uh, and gets you inside the 20, and then as a toss sweep, uh, to Rashawn for a touchdown there. And, Coach, I mean, it was bam, bam, bam touchdown for you guys. At that point, up 14 nothing with the offense moving like that, like you said, it have, had to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, definitely felt really good and, and thought that it was going to kind of continue that way, not necessarily that easy, but uh, but continue that way and felt really good about the defense holding. So, 
you know, felt felt great at that point, and but it certainly certainly uh, shifted on us there after that. And it's a it's a game of adjustments in Credit Cedartown because after you guys go fourteen nothing. Prior to that, in the first half, they kind of countered your offensive shifts with offensive shifts of their own, where before the offensive line would get set, they would kind of kick to the right a little bit, change their splits up, which affected the defensive line. But coming out there uh, at, in the second half, Coach, they just they came out of the huddle, lined up, and snapped the football. And, man, every single play was to the right side, and it was either a fullback dive or just a, a quarterback pull, and he was diving on an ISO as well. And it was just on the right side, pounding the football all the way down the sideline. Yeah, I thought they did a great job of sticking to their offense and what they do and uh, just came out and just kept said, hey, we're, this is who we are. This is what we've done. This is what we built our program on. And they just kept doing it and, and, and forced us, you know, just, just like a, a heavyweight fight, just forced us to keep taking the punches, taking the punches. And, and um, you know, I thought they did a great job with that. Now on the drive where they score their first touchdown there towards the end of the third quarter, uh, there was a fourth and one that come or fourth and two, I should say, uh, that comes up and they hand the football to their fullback. And from all the angles that we saw, looks like he was clearly short, but able to pick up the first down just based off of the spot. What did you guys see on that one on film once you were able to review it? Yeah, he did not make it. He was short. Uh, and, you know, I, I think maybe that helped later in the game, at the end of the game there, because they were slow. They were making sure before they called a touchdown, which I appreciate because they never got in, in the, at the end. But uh, he was short on that, and we stopped them on downs. Um, and But the, the thing about Georgia High School, you know, at that point, you can review it. They've got people, their own headsets, they, uh, or earpieces ear anyway, and uh, they have people in the box who are watching. You've got TV. You've got every angle. Um, you know, so I guarantee you somebody was saying, hey, we may have may have missed that one there, and um, and, and they did. I did it. You know, my, my guys were telling me at that point that were in the box that, that he did not get there, and I wasn't sure. I couldn't tell from my angle, but obviously once I sat down and and uh, watch it on film, you can tell. Yeah, and then from that emotional high of thinking you get the stop to first and goal at the one-yard line, just kind of a little bit of a letdown there. Defense gives up the one-yard touchdown, which, again, it just coming off of battling for four downs, trying to get that stop to then allow them to score at the one-yard line, I don't think an overly huge deal there uh, defensively. But after that, Cedartown, the momentum kind of swings back in their direction uh, in large part just because the offense stalls out. What were they able to do successfully there, Coach, for the remainder of the second half to slow down the offense? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Looking looking at the film, I don't know that they have did anything necessarily differently. They just kept getting pressure on us. We couldn't. We actually hit a hit a run there, and, and, and Nas um, unfortunately fumbled for the first time this year. Um, you know, a lot of carries and only one fumble, um, but uh, you know, it just came at a at a tough time. And and then they were getting pressure on Luke like crazy. I think they were probably selling out a little bit more to come get him. And uh, guy made a good play from behind and knocked the ball out of Luke's hand. So um, you know, they they just made those two turnovers happen and and you know again credit to them they make really good football plays to make make that happen and put our defense in a rough situation and going back to the nasir samuel uh fumble like you said first one all year and it was where he kind of made a play cut back uh to the right was trying to break towards the sideline and just it was a a big time player making a big time play there with harlan diamond one of their outstanding football players plays both ways for them 
just coming from behind and knocking the football out. But uh, off that coach, they don't get any points. I mean, it was just time and time again where the offense would put the defense in short field position and your guys came out uh, and answered the call every single time. Yeah, without a doubt. Again, Coach Allison, that defense deserves tons of credit. And, and again, yes, that's what I'm saying. On on that fumble, uh, the Diamond kid made a great play, great play and knock it out. And, you know, you got to give them credit when that happens. And then uh, same thing on, on the next fumble. So we just put us in, in rough rough situation, but the defense just kept coming out. And, and again, that's, that's a great program. Nobody's fussing. Nobody was yelling at the offensive guys, like, hey, you know, do this or any of that. It was just, hey, we're up. We do what we have to do to win this game. In the fourth quarter, Coach, they drive down uh, the field again, and it's just it's the same thing, right side, fullback dive, and then the quarterback would pull it and run to the next hole, and that was just that over and over and over and over again. Uh, I mean, in this game, I think you told me Wilkes Albert had 27 tackles. I mean, they were just running straight at these guys over and over again. But on that drive, they're able to go down and score another touchdown. But then uh, the extra point goes wide left. And just, again, I got to think the conditions had a lot to do with that as a slippery ball. So not just the kicker, but also the long snapper and the holder there have to be perfect in conditions like that. The ball sails wide. And so it's momentum, right? You have it's 14 to seven. They score a touchdown. All the momentum goes to their side because they're about to tie it. They scored 14 unanswered points, you think, and then they miss the extra point. They're actually down one. I mean, that had to just give you a little bit of a jolt there on the sideline. It definitely did. I mean, it, it was you could feel it when, when he missed that. You know, you could feel the excitement on our side because you're like, okay, we're still in, in control here. We're still in the lead here. And, uh, yeah, definitely gave us um, gave us that momentum back a little bit or a little bit of the momentum back that they had stolen uh, you know, and, and I wish we could have used it a little better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're going to recap the last four minutes of this football game that were just absolutely electric when we come back next. This is the Danny Britt Show. We'll be back after this. More Benedictine Cadets football. The Danny Britt Show. An ending to remember at all time, or I think Kevin Thomas uh, in the up in the booth when we were calling the game on the radio said it's just it's a movie. It's movie script stuff. Uh, they're at the end and it's the stuff that you pitch to somebody and they're like, nah, man, that's a little too unreal. We need a little bit more uh, reality in this one. But the end of this football game, just absolutely outstanding. So they missed the extra point, 14 to 13. Again, offense just really not able to get anything going there in the fourth quarter. And then coach, uh, as time's winding down under five minutes to go in the game, you're inside your own 30. It's fourth and two, which I mean, Luke made a great play trying to get out and pick up a first down, but tackled uh, just a little bit short. You guys call a timeout. And actually, no, you don't call time. No, you just made the decision there. I think there was some sort they, of they call it. Yeah, there was some sort. There was some sort of break there because there was a lot of time there. Uh, but you come back out and you decide to run a fake punt. And I know it's the it's the situations like this where, where why you get paid the big bucks and it's the ones <laughs> that stick with you forever, man. But that is an anxiety riddled call right there. It is, and, and believe me, I have heard about this from, from all over the country. I've had guys calling me, uh, getting on me. I stand by it. It was there, and what we had decided, here's how it went down. I believe they had called a timeout. Um, it was fourth and one. It was, it, was, it was a full one, and I said, here's the deal. They just, the previous uh, punt, they had roughed our punter but almost blocked the thing. They had roughed our punter. Uh, they had shifted in what they were doing uh, to go get the punt. I said, we're going to go line up and punt, and if, if they do that again, we're going to run our fake. 
uh, and it'll be there. And I said, you, you will, you will, you will get the first down. All right, and we're going to end it here because they were down to one timeout, if I'm correct, at that point. I said, we, we will, we will, we can end it right here. Um, and it was there. Uh, you know, we had uh, a, a young kid in who's going to be a great kid. Play. It had a great, was a huge part of the program this year. Uh, but he was in because Bryce was out, Act was out, you know, and he, he was newer at it and unfortunately just bobbled it there and, and gave him time to recover. Um, uh, so, yeah, at that point I'm going, I just, you know, my decision, and that was 100% my decision, by the way, my decision uh, put us in a, in a very bad situation and the, the defense was able to, to, to come through for us. Absolutely, and again, just kind of dribbled the the snap there, and once that delay happened, just allowed everybody to get to him and makes the play. Maybe if he if he's able to catch that cleanly, that hole's there, and like you said, a very different story at the end. But as it sat, uh, they get the ball set up around the twenty five yard line, and through just pounding the rock up the middle, and then more off tackle stuff uh, than we had seen throughout the game, able to work the ball down inside the ten yard line. Coach, at, at any point. Do you consider calling some timeouts to save time for your offense? Because you had your full complement there. Was that conversation had? Yes, yes. Actually, I said, do you know? I can either call timeouts. We can play it that way. We can call timeouts, or we can we can force them because they only had one. Force them to score within the time, and and, and passing wasn't their thing. Now they did complete a pass there over the middle. Correct. Uh, uh, which was, um, you know, well, not necessarily what I was anticipating, but um, but they did. Uh, but yeah, and and I get it. That some people are saying, hey, you need to call the timeouts. Well, it's like when you say, let them score. You know what I mean? Which and, and sometimes there are situations. The only way to get the ball back is, is to let them score. Uh, obviously, you don't do it in that situation. But um, yeah. uh, to me, that's always been the, then you're just giving up. You're saying, you know, and I, I can't do that. That's just not who I am. And I'm like, we're going to keep them out then. That, that's what we sold out to do. And the conversation was had. And, you know, I don't know if anybody disagreed with me, but that's what we did. Yeah, I mean, I, every conversation I've ever heard where someone's like, Hey, you, you got to let the other team score there to get the football back. I don't think anyone who's ever said that was a football coach, right? Football coach is always going to bet on their defense to get the stop. Uh, and, and that's exactly what you guys did there at the end. So once again, you've mentioned it. They complete the pass down the middle inside the five yard line. And from there, you're right around a minute to go in the football game. And they bring in the heavy package and they hand it to a 255 pound fullback and your defense gets a tackle, right? Clock still rolling. They try it again. Your defense gets a tackle. Try it again, but this time the quarterback pulls it out of his gut and tries to run that ISO. And then I thought that was honestly the biggest play because you guys pushed them back a yard, right? Where it's from the one yard line, maybe even the half yard line. The quarterback tried the ISO, and there's about four cadets in that hole right there, and they get stuffed again and then call a timeout. I mean, it was and in soccer, there's a term with goalkeepers, right? Where they have a game that's called standing on their head, where it's just it, you don't feel like anything's going to get past them. It's in hockey, too. Right, It felt like your defense right there, Coach, was standing on their head. And then that fourth down play comes up. You have, I don't know if you saw this while the game was going on, but you have an entire student section running from one side of the field down to the other end zone during that timeout to make it as loud as possible because, like Kevin Thomas said, it was movie script stuff. State championship on the line, 
fourth and one, and the only people who thought maybe they'd try a field goal were the fans at home because you know, I know, and that Cedartown staff knew that they don't kick field goals. So this was going to be a run play from the one-yard line for the state championship. I mean, that's why you hit the sleds every day. That's why you squat. That's why you guys hit. That's why you've done everything you've done for that situation right there. Without a doubt. And and definitely, I know uh, they're going to give Coach Abrams, you know, for not kicking it. But you don't. You put it. They've gotten to where they're at because of what they do, and what they do is is run the ball, give it to that big fullback, two hundred sixty pound fullback. You got to you got to go with what you've done, what, what what is best for you, and that that was it. So, it, you know, and, and we felt like, hey, we could stop. And you're right that that third down stop was huge because he went backwards. Um, he actually fumbled the ball and gained a little bit back by the fumble, but fell back on the ball. But uh, but that was huge. And then, you know, fourth down, stop, you're right. Everybody, I mean, it was just like, hey, this is it. This is literally the state championship. Three seconds left, no timeouts, fourth down. My God, you can't even write this stuff. Yeah. And then um, guys came up, uh, you know, made a great play. Uh, Manny Pitts has actually made it. Uh, he, he knocked the center back. A, a full yard, yard and a half into the fullback. Cole Simeon and Jeremiah Thomas were, were submarined, as they'd been taught to do. They submarined right there because we felt like it was going right there. I mean, heck, it wasn't real hard to figure out. And um, and then and Wilk cleaned it up, and then Elijah came around the end. So all of those guys, and literally, you know, he lost a little bit actually. So. Yeah. Pretty pretty amazing stuff to end it like that. Well, I know it takes a lot to drive a, a football coach to tears, but I mean, it, it it's something you really can't understand unless you've done it before. But to play forty eight minutes, or I guess forty seven minutes and fifty nine seconds to get to that point, and just the amount of times those those dudes that you had just mentioned had had to basically squat another human being that was trying to hit them, and they just get physically abused uh, for three hours, right, where they're just putting their body on the line over and over and over again. To have that situation where they can just put it on their backs, bow up, and have that strain, I mean, it's it's what football is all about. It is, and, and that's why I love it so much. I think that's why we love it so much. It's, the, it's a true team sport. I mean, think about it. Those guys in there, they were told, you're not making the play. You, you, just, you just drive your head – into this 300-pound dude and, and force him backwards in, in hopes that the next guy can make the play. And, yeah, they've been doing that, you know, the entire game for hours, and that's why this sport's so great. I mean, it, Cole Simeon's uh, quote in the paper was amazing because he said, I was on the bottom of the pile because he, he did his job. He said, I heard guys screaming, and it wasn't until I realized it was my guys that were screaming that the tears came. You know, because he was like, I, I, somebody was excited. Yeah. And I and, and then finally I realized it was my guys that were excited, and how awesome is that? You know, he, he, he did his job without question. Here's what we're going to do here. We are out of time for the radio broadcast, but if you want to hear uh, the remainder of our conversation with Coach Britt, uh, you can look up the Danny Britt Show on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're going to continue the conversation there. We appreciate everyone listening on the radio. And again, you can find us on Spotify podcasts, wherever you get them. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Thanks for hanging out. If you want to keep listening, you know where to find us. All right. So continuing our conversation here, coach, uh, as you mentioned, the strain there and 
that was throughout the entire game. You mentioned Wilkes Albert had 27 tackles. I'm sure uh, some of the other guys that were playing linebacker weren't far off there, and it was just because the job eventually became for the defensive line basically to become a, a reverse offensive line where you're creating holes for your backers to go make tackles, and I thought they did an excellent job of that throughout the game, clearing those spots and just letting the backers get the one-on-ones that they had to win. It definitely, and that and that's exactly why Wilkes uh, had 27, Karen Glover had 19. Um, many of those just just coming off the backs of the the linemen, the D linemen who were just <coughs> excuse me, you know, playing a tremendous game without all the stats necessarily. So uh, just yeah, just so proud of the team effort there. And, and again, I, I just have to say this: this is the greatest program win that we've had because it truly shows the program uh, as the winner. Yeah, just a bunch of guys uh, out there making plays for you. You mentioned Kieran Glover had an outstanding game and a guy we've only mentioned a little bit just because he had the the touchdown, the first touchdown of the game and Saquon Bryan, but I thought, Coach, the biggest impact he had on this one, number one, he was great in coverage, and I know it's not a story that you're going to hear about against a team like Cedartown, but They'll score a few touchdowns every game by stealing them where they hit a big play action, go over the top, wide open guy for a touchdown. Secondary was outstanding throughout the game, and so it was really quiet when talking about those guys. But in terms of his impact on the game, I thought this the mentality. Zaquan Bryan, there's zero back down in that dude, and he was jawing, and he was in people's faces defensively after every single play. I thought that was so big just for the mindset of your team because it's so easy against a physical football team like that to feel like, you're the ones getting dominated. You're the ones getting worked with your back against the wall. That dude's got some confidence, and I think it's spread throughout the entire team. Uh, all year, and that is Zaquan Bryan is just, just a dude. He's my dude. I love him. Going to miss him desperately. And I think it says everything. Talk to you. If you see the quote in the paper for him and what Benedictus meant to him and how special it was. And I saw him as <clears throat> you watching all the different angles and uh, we just win. He's in the end zone, and he pulls his helmet off and just starts bawling, you know, just bawling, crying, because this is the way he wanted to go out. And, and again, Quan doesn't care if he made a bunch of tackles or had a bunch of touchdown catches. He just wanted us to win, and it shows, man. It shows and when people give up themselves like that. Superstars, superstars give up themselves like he and Luke, and it, it's just amazing, and I'm so very proud of him. All right, so you guys get the stop there, and you've won state championships before. And I know, like the last one, you you more so than having to win at the last second. It was okay. We got the football. Let's run out the clock. Game over here. We get the win. So you kind of know about it for about four or five minutes before that clock hits zero. But man, what's that experience? It's like hitting a walk off home run, right? I mean, what's that experience like? Last play of the game, not knowing what the what the play holds. Then you get the stop. State champs two years in a row. What's that feeling like? Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, first of all, we went from, holy cow, I just called a play that may cost my team the state championship, uh, and how am I going to handle this? I've got to, you know, I, literally you have to prepare yourself for that, and then to to the ultimate exhilaration of they just held, we just won, and literally, I just was laughing. I mean, just I probably looked goofy as could be. Just started laughing and running out there. I can't really run anymore, but I <laughs> waddled out there and uh, and started hugging guys. And they, you know, all the guys were picking me up, and throwing me around like a rag doll, which was which was just an incredible feeling. And you mentioned it, the the tears. Aquan Bryan had them. I know 
uh, GPB was showing it a lot. Cole Simeon, he pulled off the helmet and he was in tears. And again, that was a guy who had the football run at him every single play and was just getting his, his bell rung every single play, but stuck in there for the entire game and played so many snaps for you guys uh, these past four years. And, and you just see the tears streaming down his face. I mean, it's it's just a little bit different when you win it on the last play than, and especially straining and getting a stop like that than being up 10 and running out the clock. Just seeing that emotion and that exhilaration, that's what high school football is all about. Oh, without a doubt. And we'll be able to pull from that for, for years and years. You can you can just show that. You can see, you know, these guys have given up so much and then bam that that, that success happens and you know, that's why you the miserable stuff you do during the summer to pushing the sled like we do every Monday obviously affected that game. You know, that's that's why we push it to till they are literally sick. And you know, that's why we lift as much as we do and, and, and hire full time strength coaches to come in and you know, that that's that's why we do what we do and, and, and you know, it's just so proud to see that. So awesome to see that because I've seen it on both ends. I've seen it. I've seen the misery. I've seen the, you know, kids who've worked their behind off and done everything they were supposed to do not have the success. So it's so, it's so fulfilling to see these kids, you know, enjoy it and be able to celebrate it. All right. Now let me ask you this because you had to experience it just as much as anyone this past weekend. Standing in the rain in the cold in Atlanta, I think one of the storylines coming out or the bigger storylines coming out of this weekend is like, man, a couple miles down the road, there's a really nice, cozy, uh, enclosed football stadium that would be really cool to play these state championships in. I mean, is that is that something you support, or is it football supposed to be played in any weather? No, I 100% support that the state championship game should be played in the apex of the state, and that's a Mercedes Dome. I mean, uh, it, it should be. Uh, one, you're going to get so many more people there. You'll get more college recruiters there who will just come and stay all day. I mean, that, the numbers have been proven. Uh, and, and again, just playing in the, the the greatest venue. Now, here's the other thing. is That's what I told people the week before. Certainly once everybody realized it was going to rain, is like, I'm never going to complain about where we're playing a state championship game. If we, if we need to play in the Walmart parking lot, we're going to show up and play. You know, so I'm not complaining, but, you know, when you ask the question, yes, and, and I'm hearing that there's a very good chance of that for the future. And it's just, to me, as a football fan, I know I hear there, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of dudes out there saying, listen, it's football. You're, you're supposed to play it in the slop and the mud. It's like everybody's playing in the same conditions. I get that. And during the regular season, I fully support that. But there, there's a reason that Super Bowls, for the most part, are either played in Miami or inside of a dome. And there's a reason that the college football playoff national championships are always played in San Francisco or in uh, one of the enclosed stadiums somewhere. Yeah, they played in Indianapolis last year, but that's an enclosed dome. And it's just... You want all as many variables out of the way as possible so you can determine between the two teams that made it there who the best one is, and I don't think that gets determined in 40 degrees with rain. No, I agree with that. I agree with that statement. But then the number one thing to me is these kids should be able to experience. You make it there, you should be able to experience the, the, the highest. And, again, it was awesome. I love playing. I, I like Georgia State. Obviously, we've had success there, but – it echoes in there, so it gets really loud. 
Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the kids should be able to – I mean, why not be able to see the nicest of the nice? And, and, and so that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, me growing up uh, playing football in the state, it was always the, the ultimate goal was to play in the Dome. Uh, obviously right. obviously the Dome's not there anymore, but still the same thing kind of holds true is nobody's saying – and listen, I'm a Georgia State alum, so I, I love my Panthers, but no high school football player is like, man, I, I want to get to Center Park. It's like, no, man, you want to you play in the Dome, and I completely agree with you. On that one. So you, you guys win the state championship coach and uh, everybody soaked You're inside that locker room. I mean, was there any difference between this year and last year uh, as you guys celebrated inside the locker room just with the feel? I, you know, I think there was. I think last year was more a relief because it felt like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I had said it, uh, yeah. there was some pressure to win it, you know, with last year's team. Um, this year, it was, it, it, it was just, you know, excitement like literally we just got in there and i can't remember everything that was going on i was just hugging everybody we were just jumping up and down you know of course taking pictures somebody broke the trophy the trophy's broken but we'll get it fixed no, but uh no. you know so and nobody cared like they're taking pictures with pieces <laughs> of the trophy um so uh it, it was just exciting and and I don't know how long we stayed. We stayed, you know, stayed in there. And I said, you know, we'll stay as long as everybody wants to stay and, and hang out and celebrate this win because it was just truly amazing. And we're going to talk about this here in a minute, but a lot of people around the state, and Rusty Manziel mentioned this during the broadcast on GPB. He said he was not expecting a lot out of the cadets. And obviously that's a relative term. Like, sure, everybody expects you to go to the playoffs, but not to make a run like you guys did because of who you lost, right? It's not a knock on the kids who are there, but everybody playing at the next level right now, the Justin Thomases and the Holden Gariners and five starters gone across the offensive line, right? Like it's just, it's it's so tough to replace that much talent. And then everybody's saying, okay, it might be a year off, right? Because the junior class that you guys have coming up, who's now played what? That, that was their 44th game uh, that they've played as juniors, right? that's coming up is super talented. So right. If 22 is an off year, we get it because you just, you have a little bit of a gap, but for you guys to come out and win a state championship, I think that says something about that senior class and the pride that those guys have. Exactly. Certainly. And, and, and you're right. That was kind of the feeling by everybody, but the kids <laughs> um, and somewhere in the middle of the season. And we played, we went and, and, and played, a really tough schedule. Obviously, traveled down to Miami and, and got it handed to us. And then Ware County beat us, who obviously went on to win the 5A state championship. Very good football team and program. And somewhere in there, the guys developed a chip on their shoulder like, we're better than what you're saying we are. I promise you, we're better than what you, you know. And, and we ran a gauntlet. I mean, I mean, look at our region. We had, uh, you know, Burke County, Wayne County. Uh, is Degum, you know, uh, ranked teams. And, um, you know, so the guys just kept getting better and playing with confidence, playing together. And the biggest thing, we won in all kind of different ways. <laughs> and uh, th that was the uh, mindset is we'll just find a way to win. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. And, and that's a truly, you know, a great – that's why I, I think this is the greatest program win. Yeah, and going back to what you are talking about at the beginning of this one, uh, Ware County didn't win the 5A state championship. They absolutely dominated uh, Warner Robins, and that turned out to be a bear of a football program over there with Ware County. We already knew that, but very similar to you guys, you lose a big-time quarterback. You guys lost Holden Garner. They lose Thomas Castellanos. And, uh, God, I forget the running back's name, but the kid who went out to 
Iowa State, and it's like they're supposed to take a step back. No, nope, that's just an outstanding program, and Jason Strickland does a great job with them. They win the 5A state championship, and then Columbus, the only other team you lost to, they're 13-1, and and they're playing in the state championship on the 17th in the biggest classification in Florida. So when you look back at this year, people are like, yeah, they were 13-2. and It's like, yeah, you might have been 13-2, and but I mean, the two losses, I know you're never going to put excuses out there, but to two pretty elite football teams. It definitely, and but and playing them makes you better. It, it one, you're going to get exposed. You're going to say, "Hey, we're not good here. We better fix it." Whether fixing it is working harder, moving people, you know, getting the, you know, changing the depth chart, whatever, it's going to make you better. Um, and you, you get used to it, and then all of a sudden, you've played some really, really big time teams, and you're getting deeper in the playoffs, and you go. Well, we've seen better. We know we can play against better. We've seen better. So let's go take care of it. Now, Coach, just I wanted to get your thoughts on that senior class because a big majority of this team are juniors and, and underclassmen, but throughout the team, some select guys who are really big-time players for you, uh, obviously Zaquan Bryan, the Cole Simeons, Charlie Iannone, uh, and those guys are, are done playing high school football. And again, you couldn't have asked for two better final seasons for them. But uh, that senior class that's moving on, man, played a lot of football games for the cadets over these past few years and are leaving behind, I think, a pretty elite legacy. Without a doubt. And and they've done a great job. And we'll start with those three uh, captains, you know, uh, Charlie Ionon, James Moore, and, and Zaquan Bryan. Uh, which is the only awards we give in our program. We don't give out, you know, best lineman or MVP or any of that junk. Uh, we, we we truly only vote for captains, and we do it about three quarters of the way through the year. And uh, everybody votes, and those guys were were chosen, uh, you know, pretty pretty big time over everybody. And, and Charlie Ionon, great example. I mean, first of all, he leads everything. I think he's student body president. That you know, he's in charge of everything. And um, he just got that personality. He was a, a tight end, outside linebacker. And then we said, Coach Coleman went to him and said, I'm thinking about trying you at guard. We like guards that can move. And, you know, 205 pounds is, is fine for us. And Charlie said, sure, I'd love to. And, you know, changes from 5 to 52 and, and just went and went to work. And he, he was not the starter for a long time. It took him a long time to earn it. He had to learn it. But – uh what a what a great job! And he had four uh, hitmen or pancakes in the game, and um, just just developed a nasty mentality, which is just incredible. Um, uh, that he's done that, you know, uh, Zaquan Bryan is Zaquan Bryan. I mean, he's a superstar, but uh, and a leader, and just just you mentioned it earlier. You saw it, you saw it. I mean, he wasn't necessarily making all the plays, but he was the one, you know, encouraging him and pushing and. You know, everybody loves him and believes in him, and he's just truly one of my favorite kids ever. And then um, James Moore, not even a starter, all right? This kid doesn't even start, all right, but was hugely, hugely voted for as a captain because that's his part. He's he's going to be a leader of men, leader of people his whole life. Uh, played all special teams for us, was a backup, and just just a true unbelievable leader and young man. Uh, that that really helped us this year and and in years past to to get where we are. And coach some other seniors who uh, not all of them are starters, but play a significant amount of snaps. Kieran Glover, uh, Bo Talavas moving on as well. Uh, Andre Dixon on the offensive line there. 
Sorry, I'm not getting choked up. I got something in my throat. Uh, but that being said, just all of those guys, uh, Joshua Page playing safety for you there starting this year, Cody Brinson, the other part of uh, that secondary uh, as a corner who had a huge year as well, just a bunch of guys who I look at them and I see guys who had to wait and kind of buy their time and continue to work. And when they got the chance their senior year, really took advantage. Without a doubt. You mentioned Cody there. Cody is one of the toughest suckers that I've ever coached. I mean, he, he is beat to death. And I, when I say beat, I mean, he is beat up. He had fluid pulled off his knee uh, last week. His shoulder came out Wednesday, the last play of practice. Right, He would literally turn green. I'm mad at him because he stuck his uh, – he was supposed to be going through non-contact uh, – just getting the you know the the visual reps and just out of habit stuck his head in there and and, and knocked his shoulder out and I mean he he just what a great year he had such a tough kid man I it, loved coaching him and then Josh Page similar thing Josh has had injuries his entire career and this was the first year he really got to play very athletic kid last play of the game and he was the one that you know. Finally, the last person to, to contact the runner, keep him out, and uh, his shoulder came out probably for the final time. He's going to have to have surgery on that. So, you know, th- these kids that you're talking about, you know, Hunter Odom, Ray Akins, you know, didn't play as much on the offensive line but has served his team and was scout, scout guys and then would go in and, and, and do their job when they were asked to do their job. And it's just so very proud of all of them uh, and what they've, what they've been able to accomplish. And I wanted to save this guy for towards the end because I feel like he's had just a huge growth as a football player and really turned pretty elite uh, by the time everything was said and done. And I think he could be a big-time college prospect is Elijah Alexander. Again, kind of a late bloomer there for you guys. But when you look at his size, there's going to have to be some schools extremely interested in his services. Yeah, Elijah, in fact, I got I got texts from some major D1 programs after that game that were at the game or watching on TV and uh, asking more information about him and asking for his contact information. So you're right, he's he's blowing up and and um, just just really he was a late bloomer, but has has grown and developed over the course of the year. And he's got some major offers from some smaller school or some offers from some smaller schools. Uh, but it may change on him a little bit here. Uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. And then a uh, transfer you guys had in all the way from the West Coast uh, this year, Coach Jonathan Hardy steps in and just kind of fills seamlessly uh, into that linebacker role. I know you had to play inside, and then uh, as Bryce and some other injuries happened, had to transfer out to the outside uh, of the linebacker core. But, I mean, just a guy who stepped in and filled in seamlessly. Yeah, Jonathan, first of all, I want to, you know, it's funny because, of course, you get a kid who transferred from St. John Bosco, you know, BC's recruiting and all this stuff. Very, very funny story. So the kid, the kids in California, dad works for Gulfstream. They transfer him to Savannah. He says, well, I'm going to stay where I'm at and then finish career, then the mother will move over here, right? Uh, dad just happens to be living on the East Coast, can't go watch his son play every time, so he's, he comes to our games says, uh, you know, contacts his son and says, man, it's a pretty cool place over here. Start sending him information. They show up, like literally show up to the school. Didn't even contact me. Just <laughs> show up and said, you know, we're thinking about it. And, and you know, so he, he moves over from, from Bosco. And obviously his dad's working in Savannah. They, they, they buy a house here. 
And uh, he stepped in, and, and, and you know, and everybody would say, well, you know, Brett promised him a position. I didn't promise him or anybody else anything other than everything we got. And I said, if you're good enough, you'll play. If you're not, somebody else is going to play. You know, but you, you need, if you come, you're coming with understanding of that, that we're going to play who we feel like is the best person. And he said, I understand, Coach. And he came in, and he's a student of the game. You know, bought in very quickly to everything we were doing in our weight program and all, which he'd been in a great one. And uh, just really was a huge factor for us this year, uh, both physically and mentally. Very smart young man. I think he's got one of those 4.6 GPAs or whatever, however <laughs> that know, works. I don't, I, I don't know how that one My math doesn't go that high. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, just, just an awesome young man that I, I've been, been excited and enjoyed coaching. Another leader that I know you guys are going to miss just personality-wise and then also uh, as the season went, how he started playing on the field, Manny Pitts, uh, just a, a great personality, but as the season went, became a really big part of the defense. He did. He, he, you know, that's another just example of a kid who, who, who works out and just does what he's supposed to do and shows up and has taken, you know, hard coaching and, you know, when we needed him, he did exactly what he'd done. Maybe not quite as talented as Jeremiah. And, you know, Jeremiah's a year younger and, you know, he's been getting the start. And, uh, but, but boy, boy, are we glad he was on our team Friday night. Cause he, again, the entire defensive front was on that and made that happen. But, but Manny was the one that literally took the center and moved him back a yard and a half into the running back. And, and, and made that play, you know, made that play happen. So, so glad Manny was able to to be a part of us. And, and boy, you're right, big personality from the get go. Now, I wonder if uh, I'm gonna just follow along with my lo- logic here. I think you need to find a way to get either Asher Sigmund, Hudson Grove, or Connor Graham to maybe just fill an algebra class, something like that, so they have to stay. Uh, for one more year because, I mean, you got three elite kickers, and, man, they're all seniors. I know. It's so frustrating. I talk to them all the time. I'm like, guys, how, how you know, how is this? We got three dudes that can all get it done, and, and uh, you know, I'm I really going to miss them. And, and Joseph Stover is the, the, the long snapper who is just, you know, a brilliant kid just and has been, I mean, he hasn't had a bad snap. I, I can say it now because he's done. Yeah. He has not had a bad snap in three years. And, I, I mean, that is unbelievable. Uh, so, just really has done a great job there. And, and, and But we, we have uh, we have a, a sophomore, uh, Connor Ferguson, who's a good kicker. And, you know, he'll be the primary guy to take over uh, from this point forward. Coach, a couple more guys. Just want to get your thoughts on because we, we didn't really talk about them a lot this year, but I'm sure guys – uh, that had huge impacts on your program. Reed Ferrero uh, is a senior for you guys, as is Caden Singleton uh, and uh, Ray Akins. They're just a bunch of guys who, again, we, we've seen them get in throughout the year and maybe not guys who we were calling their plays a bunch on Friday nights, but BC cadets all the same. Yeah, well, you know, and Reed is a young man, a cadet that's been a part of our program um Unfortunately, uh, early on in his high school career, was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, you know hasn't been able to play uh, play for us. But he's been a part of us, and we've certainly enjoyed having him around, and certainly glad uh, he's still uh, you know healthy and with us. And um, 
you know, you mentioned Ray. Ray, Ray is just, gosh, I love that kid, man. I love his personality. He is so much fun. Will be so successful in life. And he, like I mentioned earlier, he and Hunter, I would go out there and, uh, you know, do what they needed to do for us, but then also served on scout team, uh, which made us so much better. That is a big change in the past two years. Is we we started making the absolute number two people play scout team. And it, it, it just made us better. Now we do crossovers, so they go get their reps at their position. But that has just made us so much better of a football team when we started doing that. Um, and so, uh, you know, they've done that and willingly and uh, just great cadets. So, so excited that they were able to enjoy that, that victory there. I can't think of a better name for an offensive lineman, but uh, senior LeVar Lodeholt. I mean, just all names team, if anything. Yeah, Lavar, you know, love Lavar and love what uh, you know he had been able to do, and 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 so so you know glad and, and excited for his future. And coach, uh, finally here, final senior that I wanted to mention here, a guy that I know I kind of broke your heart at the beginning of the season because he's gone through so much and fought so hard uh, and has been pretty elite when he's been on the field. But Lamont Mitchell, a guy who's just an outstanding athlete, he's played all over the field for you guys. Uh, his season ended uh, right as he got started this year. First play of the season goes down with a knee injury, but was able to suit up and at least stand on the sideline in his shoulder pads, which I'm sure meant a lot to him, but a guy who's been a massive part of the success of this program the past couple of years. Uh, he has, and that, that that was heartbreaking for everybody. And I kind of felt like that it was an ACL when it happened, and I, I, he was trying to, to, to hold out hope. And then I remember when I was walking back in from practice uh, to get something out of the office and, Coach Tootin, unfortunately, they they'd seen the MRI and, and and said, you know, he was bawling, crying. So we sat there and cried in the hallway for like five minutes, and it's just so sad. But um, you know, he has an opportunity to play at the next level, and we've, we've talked to some people who are were willing to take that chance with him. So I'm excited, and, and he can go play at the next level and have a have a continue his his playing and academic career, and uh, just just a young man that has grown as a human. It's unbelievable uh, since he's been here. became a became a leader. become a has become a model cadet, um, and a guy that probably faulted a little bit when he first got here, and just really has fallen in love with it. And, and, and we've all fallen in love with him because he's just got that personality that, that will make you fall in love with him. Yeah, just and then and you mentioned Caden Singleton earlier. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's along with Ray and Hunter and just done a great job for us. He stepped up for us, started several games for us this year. Uh, I have one of the coolest stories about Caden that I'm not going to tell now. I'll tell it at the banquet, but uh, just just a neat young man and his smile uh, just is something that I'll never forget. Uh, Since he was a freshman, I just had the best smile and and, um, uh, he's already gone on to wrestling where he's going to have a good season wrestling. And again, just an elite senior class and all those guys leaving with a couple of rings there that they'll be able to carry with them for the rest of their lives. But uh, coach, I know you like most other coaches kind of fall victim to looking ahead. I mean, it's just, it's just comes from never looking back, always looking forward and always looking for the next project. And you got to be excited because I think this junior class, who's going to be a senior class next year, we talked about it. They've played a lot of those guys, 44 games over the past three seasons, which is more than most high school football players will play 
in an entire career. A lot of guys with a lot of reps under their belts. I think about the Bryce Bakers uh, and the Wilkes-Alberts who have just played in pretty much every game since they were freshmen. They're coming back. Luke Cromanhawk uh, will get his second year as a starting quarterback as a senior already committed to Florida State. Nasir Samuel's coming back. I mean, for anybody who thinks, okay, two state championships in a row, they got to take a step back. These are a pretty legitimate chance that this is an even better football team next year. Yeah, you know, and, and, and we can be really good. Um, now, to be honest with you, I'm going to take some time. I force it, and we're going to we're going to kind of put it down and enjoy and, and and try to do some things to celebrate these seniors and um, you know just continue to to go. But yeah, I mean, obviously, the program is the program, and we expect it to continue with greatness. So. We're going to push that, but uh, we will take a little bit of time to, to let that, uh, you know, enjoy the victory and enjoy these, these seniors and what they were able to accomplish uh, over the years. I was going to ask, before we wrap up the final Danny Britt show of the season, what do the next couple months hold for the program? Yeah, well, we'll, uh, you know, like I said, they are in finals right now, um, and then we'll have the Christmas break. Uh, I'm going to get Coach Holland. Uh, last year, I know over Christmas we'd had a, you know, a watch party. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, I think Stephanie was talking about having the seniors over at the house. Um, you know, and, and just doing something maybe separately with them, and just you know having barbecue and, and maybe watching the game and enjoying that. And and then we'll enjoy Christmas and, and that sort of thing. And then when we come back in January, of course, it's right back to to weights and everything. But we're gonna we're gonna kind of pull off a little bit and let them play their other sports, let them be kids, let them do their recruiting and that sort of thing. So, as a football staff, other than weights, which we're gonna do year round, uh, other than weights, we're gonna kind of pull off and just handle recruiting and let that be it. Oh, well deserved. I know you've spoken before that this has been uh, interesting season, just in terms of the amount of effort that you've had to put into it. Not saying that it's you don't always put a ton and 100% of your effort into it, but some years are just more of a grind uh, than the others. And, and this year at times maybe felt like that just with a young team developing them. But obviously, Coach, it was all worth it. Man, we appreciate you letting us be a part of the ride. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been been a blessing, been a great blessing in my life, uh, coaching all of these kids and, and just love it. You know, exhausted, <laughs> exhausted, completely exhausted, as I'm sure they are, but uh, – we're so proud and so so thankful. Again, wrapping up a state championship season for the cadets once again. Listen, two for two with me and Kevin in the booth. I'm not saying that you know we're the good luck charm, but I'm I'm no scientist. But two for two. I know it's pretty unbelievable. That means that means you've got to be back next year. <laughs> let's let's rock and roll. Absolutely, back chasing that state championship in 2023. Coach, I appreciate it, man. And we'll we'll talk to you again as we start getting ready for football season 2023. Thank you so much and go cadets.